Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Doan, and today we're going to be talking about finding tenants and self-confidence. But first, my weekly summary. So it's not long now until I run my first half marathon. In fact, it's uh, just about four weeks away. So um, it's Sunday the 12th of May. So just under that by the time uh, you, you're listening to this podcast when it's released on Thursday. Um, so I've been slowly increasing my runs and I'm super excited to get out there and get going. So I started off with um, the overall goal for the race to just finish the race because I've never actually done um, a half marathon before. I've never done run any kind of competitive race th- uh, before. The only uh, races that I've run are the 5K park runs, which aren't really races. They're just nice runs, friendly, not really competitive. They are timed, but it's it's a super friendly environment and it's not um, not a super competitive thing. So the, the half marathon that I'm doing in a couple of weeks time is going to be my first kind of competitive outing, if you will. And I'm super looking forward to it. So like I said, my first, my overall goal when I first, uh, booked the, the marathon, the half marathon was to just finish, uh, the race. Now, obviously it's a lot further than I've run before. Um, so I'm, well, hopefully it won't be by the time I get there, but I'm up to about eight and a half miles. So I need to add another couple of, couple of three miles onto that now over the next week and a half, two weeks, um, to get me up close enough so that I can actually run the, the race, uh, run the distance. But I'm pretty confident I'll be able to finish the race now. But as I've got closer and closer to the race, I've kind of increased my goal and upped the ante a little bit, which is always dangerous. I know I talk a lot about goal setting and, and making sure that you're kind of, uh, focusing on the right goals and targets. And I've kind of been a victim of my own, uh, my own, uh, my own self-confidence and my own, uh, uh, my own thoughts about how, how to approach that. So what I'd really like to do now is not only would I like to finish the race, um, which was my original goal, I'd quite like to finish the race, um, without walking. So I, I want to continuously jog and I don't want, I don't run, I don't particularly want to stop and walk. Um, and equally, I want to try and aim for a sub two hour half marathon. So, whether I can achieve that, I'm not quite sure yet. Um, but they're kind of goals that I can push myself to achieve. So when I set the goal originally of, of completing the half marathon, I, I obviously hadn't run anywhere close to that before. In fact, the furthest I'd run was the 5k. So now I, I regularly go over that. Um, like I say, I'm regularly achieving seven or eight miles now. So that's really good, massive improvement. Um, but the challenge is now not traveling 13.1 miles. It's the, the doing it in a good time and in a good fashion as well so like I say not walking so that's my aims for the uh, for the race uh, like I say it's changed slightly from when I first booked the race um, so it'll be interesting to know how it goes and I shall keep you guys updated of course through the podcast so it'll be um, like I say it's super exciting for me now getting closer and closer to the event um, a little bit of nerves are creeping in about it because uh, I've set myself, like I said, the sub two hour goal. I'd really love to beat that. Um, if I want to beat that, that means I've got to run about um, an eight minute, 50 mile. So I um, do a mile in eight, 50, eight minutes and 50 seconds um, for the whole race. So if I can maintain that pace, I should be able to to um, complete it in sub two hours. Um, so it should be interesting. So like I say, I'll let you know. And I'm super excited about that. 
Uh, one of the things I had to do this week, though, as part of the training, or, or as a result of the training, I should say, um, I felt um, my hamstrings were really, really getting tight, um, super tight, in fact. Um, my usual stretches and uh, foam rollering wasn't really helping it. So I, I popped in to see my chiropractor, who I really recommend, by the way, um, if you're in Cheltenham and you need a chiropractor, or in fact, if you're in anywhere near Cheltenham and you need a chiropractor, I thoroughly recommend um, the Regency Clinic. Um, they really helped me out and sorted me out for a whole range of problems um, over the last few years. Um, but I was in seeing um, the chiropractor there and um, had me led down on the bed this week um, on the... Um, medical bed whatever they're called um and he was working on my hamstrings and my glutes and um he was uh, manipulating my muscle tissues in a way that was really quite sore and quite painful uh, now i'm used to this when i get in there because i tend to um you know if i was a bit more um if i had a bit more time um and a bit more willingness to be abused a bit more uh, I try and get in there a bit more regularly for maintenance sessions rather than just leaving it until some, when something goes wrong and then go in and try and have them fix it. Um, it would be easier if I did the maintenance sessions. It probably wouldn't get as bad, um, but, which I must try and get to in the future. But um, So I was in there seeing him. He was manipulating my legs and, and uh, the muscles in my glutes and my, um, my hamstrings, um, and a few tears came out of my eyes. And uh, as he as he was doing it, involuntary tears uh, as he was doing it, uh, you could see my leg was spasming and um, all kinds of stuff was going on as he was doing it. And as he was doing it, he always asks me if I'm okay, whether I need to stop for a rest or not. And um, I, I I always say, yep, no, carry on. That's good. That's kind of what I need to be done because I need to get through that to get to get to better again. Um, there's no point in kind of me stopping in what he's doing because it's just going to take longer to recover. So if I can take a little bit of uncomfortableness, not it's not pain as such, just uncomfortable the way he's manipulating and releasing the muscles. Um, and, he, and he went to say something and he said, um, don't worry, pain is. And I'm not really sure what he was going to say afterwards, but I automatically finished his sentence for him. And I don't know why I did it. It's because I've probably heard it so many times now that pain is temporary. Now, it's one of the things that Eric Thomas says. I've heard him say it a whole host of, of times, uh, both at his live events and through um, his uh, recorded events. I, I've heard it. Um, but I actually finished it subconsciously. And the chiropractor laughed and he said, oh, you're, that's not what I was going to say. But you're right. It is only temporary. And then he kind of carried on what he was doing. And, he, and he, he was obviously thinking for a few seconds. And he said, is that how you do the, some of the things that you do? And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, you did the boxing event last night. You know, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, I'm qu I'd quite like to, to do something like that, but I'd be nervous of it. And obviously you're doing the running and you do different sports and you try different, you're all, you're not scared to try new activities and do new things. Um, you don't really seem to be, you know, scared about any of that. And I, and I kind of said, oh, I hadn't really thought about it, but I suppose so. And thinking about it even more after, you know, I, I think it is true that I do believe that pain is only temporary. Now, whether that's only, you know, whether that's physical pain as such, you know, as an injury or something like that, or indeed him manipulating my muscles, although, like I say, it's not real pain, it's just uncomfortable as he's uh, releasing the muscles off, you know, it, that kind of pain is temporary. But also the pain of um, setting up a business, the pain of, 
um, starting a new relationship, the pain of um, getting your finances straight, um, whatever the pain in your life right now is, is temporary and there's always light at the end of the tunnel. So it's always going to get better. So although that you're in pain now, you're taking that pain for results tomorrow. So I never think really think about the pain that I'm in now. And like I say, whether that's physical pain or, or um, otherwise, I'm always focused on the end result and is the end result worth it? And I think where I continue to do things such as the boxing event that I did, I know I've talked about the boxing thing a number of times now. So you're all aware that I did the charity boxing event last year. Um, but, when when you're doing something like that, that takes kind of a physical toll as well as a mental toll, um, you know, it's about getting and achieving something. So I raised, so through that, I raised a lot of money for charity, but also um, it was kind of a physical challenge for me to mark the, a new stage in my life, a new season, if you will. Um, so the outcome, the result was much bigger than the pain was costing me. So. I think if you balance up what you expect the result to be and the amount of pain you're in now, if you think that the result is worth it, then it's worth enduring that pain and carrying on. Um, and if it's not, then stop what you're doing. Um, so I think it's very important to try and think about that and the level of um, enjoyment or the level of success you expect to receive due to going through the pain um, to think about what you're doing. So that really struck me this week as I was, um, at, as a result of visiting the chiropractor. Um, so yeah, so that was a really interesting kind of, um, conversation we had about that. We kind of had the beginnings of a conversation and I went away and thought about it a bit more. And I thought, Oh yeah, that's quite an interesting thing. So I thought that, um, I'd share that with you guys. Hopefully that's helped. Like, like I said, um, Oh, my, my legs are w- working uh, wonders again now. So he really f- did free up the uh, the muscles and release the tension that I had in there. So they're feeling good again. Um, did a seven mile run on Saturday. So that was really good. Um, planning to do a couple of longer runs this week. So trying to get up to uh, do an eight mile run and the nine mile run um, this week. So um, to try and get up to the mileage that I need to do to do the race. And then next week, I'll be looking to do um, a couple of nine mile runs to settle that in and then the following week up to 10 or 11 miles um, as we get closer to the race. So hopefully that's helped. Um, so let's jump into today's topic. So last week, um, well, first of all, before we jump into today's topic, let's review what we talked about last week. So last week we talked about tenant types. So we went through a number of different tenants, um, whether that's student tenants, professional tenants, families, um, or people on benefits, um, a whole host of different tenant types we went through and the kind of, um, what impact that made on the bottom line of your business. So we had quite an interesting debate about that, um, and talked about that. So what I thought we'd do today, which I thought would be quite helpful is kind of talk about each of those tenant types again, but how you go about finding those tenants. So I think that'd be quite useful. Um, so, if we kick off with students, we're trying to stick to the order um, we did them last week. Um, so if you're talking about students and you're trying to find student tenants, um, where is the best place to find tenants? So um, this one's quite obvious um, is universities or colleges. So if your local um, university is not far away or your local college is not far away, 
um, why not get in um, Motu? Why not get in uh, in there and put a little notices up on the notice boards and um, for your property? So that if you've got a couple of rooms vacant, head on in there, find the notice boards, or um, you know, speak to the appropriate authority so that you can put a notice up on the notice boards um, and do and do that. That's quite a useful way of finding new student tenants. The other, another way is you can go and talk. A lot of um, universities or colleges have housing teams, have um, a, a dedicated department set up for helping students with finding accommodation. You know, get in touch with those guys, um, let them know your details and details of your property, and they'll be able to help you out as well. Another way of doing it is if you already have students living in your accommodation, in your property, um, you know, maybe you've got two out of three of the rooms let out already to students. Talk to those students and see if they can uh, recommend anybody else. You know, some of their friends may need accommodation and they may be able to talk to um, new entrants into the university or college for you and help you get a room. Um, and to help, you know, to help that along, you can always give them some kind of financial reward for doing so. You know, it might be, um, you know, just a small token of your appreciation, you know, a £20 Amazon gift voucher or maybe a £50 cash, um, depending on the uh, where your room is and the profit that you're going to make off that. Um, but if you help people for helping you, they're going to help you again. So if you've got several properties in the same location and you've got a couple of students in there already, you know they're going to be appreciative of any extra money they can make. So if they can find tenants for you and you give them £50 per room they can fill up, you know everybody's a winner. You get your rooms filled up and um and they get um extra drinking money for the weekend or extra money for their college materials or whatever it is they need so everybody can win through that way so there's a few ideas of how to find student tenants now let's move on to professional tenants so professional tenants again um so you can find um professional tenants through a number of ways so if you're doing corporate lets you know, you're going to be already doing this, but it's it's worth thinking about um, is going and ha uh, establishing a relationship with some of the companies in the local area. So whether that's going to be um, local banking companies, maybe there's a, um, a car manufacturing plant or a bottling plant um, nearby. Maybe there's going to be a, a regional headquarters of a, a car dealership. So for example, there's a um, a BMW headquarters just um, down the road from where I live. Um, you know, maybe there's um, an engineer, a massive engineering firm um, near where you live. Maybe there's a hospital or um, or indeed a university. But in this respect, we would be talking about the lecturers rather than students. You know, it's going and establishing a relationship with these companies and then um, getting tenants from them. So going in, making a relationship with the company and advertising on their notice boards or in the staff bulletins. You know, a lot of these companies will do uh, weekly or monthly newsletters out to their staff. So if it's a company where staff rotate a lot around locations, um, they will have those weekly notices, uh, weekly newsletters that go out. So if you establish that relationship, you'll be able to get your details and your property details included in that so that they can get sent out and you can get tenants that way. Equally, exactly the same as students, if you've already got a couple of professional tenants in a property, talk to them and get referrals, exactly the same, offer them an incentive um, if you need to. That's quite useful, that works quite well. Um, 
equally you can um put notices in local shops and things and just if you're if professional tenants is your niche is the market that you're looking for just pop on your adverts that you're doing uh, professional tenant required um something along those lines is going to really make it stand out to the right people um so so that's a couple of ideas around getting professional tenants um families so if you're looking to get um families so usually this would be in a buy to let property um you know a big way the biggest way of getting um family tenants is through um online estate agents or in um you know uh, bricks and mortars estate agents um they work really well so pop into your local estate agents ask them how much it is going to be to advertise to them or letting agency uh, ask them how much it's going to cost equally go online um you know things like spareroom.com um and zoopla those kinds of online uh, real estate um sites they're going to work really well for you um equally you can use those online portals to find students and professionals as well um and that's going to help you as well um but specifically for families that's going to work really really well and again um with families you know you you can do other kinds of advertising around the local area as well so if you've already got properties you know you can have um notices on the side of properties that you've already got um and things like that to kind of draw attention that you've got vacancies that are, uh, are available um we also talked last week about um folks through uh, working with councils um for folks on benefits so this can be quite easy um if you go into your local council um and talk to the housing departments they'll put put you in contact with the right folks this this can be re- this can work really well because a lot of councils have an obligation and they have set targets and um targets and goals that they have to meet that are set by the government around how much affordable housing they have to provide and how many um benefit uh, claimants they have to accommodate um so it can be quite beneficial um to get onto their lists and their registers for providing accommodation for that so usually they would um find the tenants for you and then you deal with um them um, whilst they're finding the tenants and then you deal with the tenants directly once they're in there so that can be quite a useful way so if you pop into your local council offices ask to speak to the housing officer the um uh, the housing team they should be able to help you out and point you in the right direction and tell you how to get onto those lists so hopefully that's been helpful hopefully that's some ways of finding tenants um there's a whole host of other ideas that, that um you can do to find tenants of any of those types um so like i say advertising on the side of your building is you know if you've already got existing properties why not put signs up either on the sides of the properties or in the windows if there's uh, vacant rooms in there um if you've got um a, a website obviously make sure that you've got your um demand your availability rather on the website so if people can find it especially if you've got quite a portfolio if you've got a number of vacancies um vacancies available um pop those up on your website so that people can easily find those when they're googling it you know if people are googling um rooms or homes to rent in a certain area um it would be good if yours your website comes up first so try and get the ceo and stuff um uh, get the coding right so that your your um your 
your website comes up first. That's going to really help you out. And also when people see your other signs or see you in a newsletter or, or whatever it might be, they may search your for your website to see kind of how how good and how big a company you look like you are. So make sure your website's up to date and it looks quite smart and it looks professional. Try not to do a, a kind of a poor website with lots of broken links on it and lots of out-of-date information. Try and keep it as up-to-date as possible um, so that it looks as professional as possible. So so hopefully that's helped you out. The second, to- the second topic I wanted to talk today about was self-confidence. So... Um, this week, I was listening to a clip. I was sent a clip of an interview um, by a friend, um, and it was an interview with Ed Milet, and he was talking about self-confidence, and he was talking about um, what self-confidence and what self-esteem is. And self-esteem is all about having respect for yourself and kind of believing in yourself, that self-belief as well. And how you div- and he had a really kind of interesting view on how you build self-confidence and self-esteem. And so Ed Milet's view was, um, if you keep your promises to yourself, you will build your self-confidence up. So the way people lose self-confidence is they kind of let themselves down continually. So say, um, to take a um, running example, because um, that's kind of what I'm familiar with at the moment. That's kind of what the other half of my world is about. Um, if I was setting a goal to run a marathon by next week and I went, I turned up and I could only run two or three miles, that would dent my confidence because I wasn't able to finish the race. So then if I didn't learn from that and I booked another marathon for a week later, I went and did it again and I was only, again, only able to run two or three miles. You know, maybe I'd run a mile further or something but I take another confidence knock because I wasn't able to achieve my goal again. So you kind of lose that momentum and you lose that self-belief in your ability to achieve something if you're kind of not achieving your goals on a regular basis and achieving the promises that you've said to yourself. So, and I promise sounds like a strong word there, but it's kind of those goals and those outcomes that you're looking for if you fail to achieve those on a regular basis your your confidence is going to keep getting knocked and knocked and knocked until it's so low that you you kind of get into this realm of you can't believe you can do anything and i've got a few friends who kind of i i was talking to about running and they they was what well, they were saying to me oh I'd, I'd really love to be able to run um a half marathon and I said, well, why don't you then? And, you know, all it is is, uh, you know, some training. You have to kind of just schedule in some training. And it's, it's not a lot, you know, it's not a lot of effort once you build it up. You've just got to get into the habit of doing it. Um, and they were like, oh, no, I couldn't actually ever do that. I don't think I'm ever, ca- my body's just not capable of it. And I said, well, have you ever, have you ever tried to run before? And um, the friend I was talking to, he said, no, uh, I've never really done a race or anything. I said, oh, no, I don't mean a race. I mean, have you ever just tried running, you know, either at the gym or, uh, you know, on a treadmill or out and about? Just go for, a, go for a quick run around your local park or around your block if you live, live in, you know, in a cul-de-sac, you know, just start out a little bit small. Oh, I tried going to the gym a couple of times was his response, but I kind of couldn't keep it up. I didn't really enjoy it. And I was trying to get to the bottom of it and it just couldn't kind of shift his view that, 
it, what it was past it, what his view was, it was past its capability. He didn't have the capability to do it. And I'm like, well, you're actually a reasonably fit person. You, you know, actually, you're probably fitter than I am, to be fair to you. Um, he played rugby, uh, you know, most of his life was he was growing up, um, always played it as a hobby to keep it going. But it's just getting out and doing it, uh, you know, set, set aside half an hour, three days a week, and that will get you started. You know, you don't need to be running any more than that to start off with, and that will get you up to your 5K quite quickly. You know, you probably only need to do that for a couple of weeks. And the first few times, just walk walk for a half a mile, jog for five minutes or as long as you're capable, and then walk again and do that for half an hour until you've kind of got the distance and, and keep doing that three times a week for the next few weeks. And it won't take you long until you've got up to kind of five kilometers, you know, even if it takes you a bit longer than that, you know, at least you kind of, you can achieve it. And it was just that mindset that I couldn't shift from him. Oh no, I can't keep, you know, so we were actually discussing that for quite some time and I'm sure we'll come back to it again. Cause I don't think I've managed to change his mind, but it's all about, like I say, that self-confidence and that belief in yourself that, um, that you can achieve something. And that's why it's important to set realistic goals. I know I talk about goal setting a lot, but that's why it's important to set those realistic goals and know that they're achievable. If you've seen somebody else do it, you know that it's possible. So that should kind of give you a baseline in your head. Well, if they can do it, I know that there's a process. You know, they weren't born with an innate ability. You know, you don't, you don't get born with the innate ability to be able to run a marathon. You don't, get you know you know you're not born with the innate ability to um, become a motivational speaker you're not born with the innate ability to become a neurosurgeon you know these are all the kind of learned skills and learned abilities so you know there's a pathway that if you follow it you can achieve the same as that other person now it may take you five four or five weeks it may take you four or five months it may take you four or five years, you know, it might even take you 10 or 12 years, but you should know that if somebody else has done it, you know, there's a baseline to be able to achieve that. So kind of believe in your, have that belief in yourself that you can do it too. Now, the other thing with this one is it's not other people's job to believe in you. So I had a couple of over the last um, three, four months, I've had a couple of conversations with different people um, with family members and friends about kind of the new business model that I've got and trying to get going with the property stuff and the podcast and and uh, a few other things that I kind of got going. Um, and, a lot, you know, some people are really good. You know, uh, I've got a couple of friends who I'll talk to. Um, they kind of, they don't really understand what I'm doing, but they'll ask questions and kind of to enable them to understand and they're really supportive and they're like, oh, okay, I see how that works. Well, what about this and this? And then I'll give them the kind of answers and the, and the, um, the roadmap that I've got. And they're like, oh, that's really good. Or, well, how about if you tweaked it like this? Or, um, how does it work if this happens? You know, and it's kind of a good conversation. And, and that's what I really like is that really supportive conversation that you have. Now, some people, on the other hand, uh, more like, oh, that I don't understand that. That'll never work. And, it's a dangerous, um, dangerous thing because, um, like I say, it's not other people's job to believe in you or to, or to even understand what you're trying to do because some people just won't be able to wrap their head around with the whole principle of whatever you're trying to achieve. And I'm sure you'll come across that if, if you've not come across it already in your life, you know, 
you might um, tell your teacher when you're at school that you wanted to become um, uh, a music, you know, a music artist, uh, a singer or a rapper or whatever it is. Um, and they always said, no, that's ridiculous. There's no money in that. And you're never going to make any money. You know, singers are dime a dozen. It's a real um, um, a narrow business. It's really hard to break into. And then once you're in there, it's hard to stay there. You know, and they and because they don't understand it, because they can't make sense of that um, that result that you're looking for, that dream that you have, they kind of encourage you to drop or drop it, forget it, and move on to something else. That usually, that they can understand that they do have a frame of reference for, but it's not though. It's not those people's jobs to understand what you're going after or what you're doing. That's your job. You have to have that belief. And that's why that self-belief and that self-esteem is so important. Because if you've not got that, then you're really going to struggle to achieve what you want to achieve and to really kind of get around those people who are being negative or cannot understand it. Now, the big thing around this, what I'd recommend is to try and get away from those people who are negative um, who, who and can't understand what you're doing. Now, that can be difficult if it's family and friends. Um, but really try and get yourself around people who do believe in you and who are supportive of you. And like I said, even if those, you know, that can be people who don't understand what you're doing, but are supportive nonetheless. So if, if you, if you want to, um, you know, um, let's say you, you want to take up a new sport or you want to start a new business venture, but somebody doesn't really, understand that because like I say they don't have a frame of reference for it then but they're still supportive then they're good people to be around because um they will support you going forward and the people who ask the questions are going to help you as well because they're going to say oh what about this or have you thought of this um and although like I say they may not understand fully what you're doing by asking those questions it will enable them to understand and will enable them to help you out in the future if you ever require the help so those are good people to be around. Be wary of those folks that are just always negative. Oh, no, that'll never work. That won't work. You can't do that. Oh, no, I've heard of people do that before and fail. Yeah, I'm sure we all have. But try and avoid those folks if you can. The other thing around kind of self-confidence and self-esteem is, you know, if you're kind of trying to weigh something up, whether you want to do it or not do it, and you kind of can't make your mind up, it's about you know, you need to think about, can you live with the regret of not doing something? So, you know, if you wanted to write a novel, for example, you wanted to write a book, you know, you kind of had a dream of writing a certain kind of book um, and you've kind of got that in your mind and you want to do it, but you can't weigh it up. You know, you said to maybe your partner or a couple of friends, oh, I really fancy writing a book, having a go at it. And they're like, oh, it never worked. There are so many books out there at the moment. You don't, you know, there's not a place in the world for what you're going to write. You know, do you want to kind of, go through life wishing you'd have started writing that book or would you rather just crack on and see if there's a place in the world for your book at least at least if you start it and you get going you know at least you're going to have a finished product and you can say actually I did write a book you know and there is a place in the world for it and if you've not got the book written then how will you know if there's a place in the world for it and how will you be able to go and then do the other things like marketing it and selling it and doing all that kind of good stuff if you've not even started thinking about writing it? So it's about having that kind of view of the future that says, right, if I don't do that, am I going to regret it? And if you are going to regret it, then you might as well 
just do it to, to avoid that regret because otherwise you would never know. And who's to say whether it'll be it successful or not? You know, it might not be a, ever be a bestseller, but you won't know until you find out. And if you find out, at least you can say, oh, I had a crack at that. I've done it. I really enjoyed doing it, you know, and you've learned something in the process. So you might be able to do it all over again, but do it with whatever improvements that you've learned along the way. So hopefully you found that helpful. Um, we've covered a few, quite a few things there um, today. Um, so in summary, you know, if you're looking for different types of tenants, there are slightly different ways of finding each of your tenants. You know, there's always the online portals, you know, um, uh, um, spareroom.com, um, Zoopla, that kind of thing. Right move, um, you know, go into companies and use their notice boards and um, newsletters. Um, recommend get get your existing tenants to recommend new tenants or the tenants offer a referral fee if that's going to help you know get into your local council office if you're looking um, to look at um, folks on benefits um, get in there and ask for the details of how to get onto their registers etc that's going to really help you out in terms of your kind of self-confidence you know have that self-respect for yourself try and keep your promises to yourself and um, in order to do that, kind of set your goals at the right level, make sure that you've got um, get, got those nailed so that you fully understand that and you've kind of got a baseline in your head of what other people have achieved. Don't expect other people to believe in you, but try and get around the people that do believe in you or at least can be supportive uh, and try not to live with regret. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is don't live with any regret. Try and do whatever your goals are. So hopefully that's helped. Um, what? So that's all I wanted to cover off for today. It would be great if you could head over to Apple iTunes and leave a review for the podcast if you find this useful. Um, so hopefully um, that has been helpful for you. Um, so thank you very much. Stop listening to me. Get out, find some tenants and uh, get make sure your goals are achievable. Thank you very much. See you next week. <laughs>